Welcome to the Krypton Podcast, your podcast for all things related to sci-fi Superman prequel series, Krypton. I am your host, Michelle, and with me, as always, is my ancient Kryptonian scientist friend who is not a crazy person, Lacey. Woohoo! I mean, I'm going to debate the crazy person part, but I'm in such a good mood after this episode <laughs> that my crops are watered, my fields are growing, like, it's great. It's great. I have been waiting forever. I feel it feels like forever to talk about this episode. Well, also pause. This is another double episode where we cover two episodes because I was at Comic-Con last week. So this one we're going to talk about in Zod We Trust and Zods and Monsters. But I suspect, much like last time we did a double episode, <laughs> we'll not talk about the uh, first one that much because the second one had a bunch of, of ah, stuff in it. I honestly don't even remember what happened last week. I only remember because I had <laughs> today. So... <laughs> But I feel like the most important thing that we need to start with is we were right. We told you last season. We told you this season. We told you this season on multiple occasions that baby Corvex is actually, drumroll please, Jor-El. I feel, just imagine me playing like the John Williams music (laughs) on the show. Oh my God. When they started to play the theme, when he said his name, I was sobbing. I know. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. It's a baby. It's baby Jor. Um, And I love that it was Nissa's idea. I know. I feel like, like I said, I watched watched both last week's episode and this week's episode today. So it felt basically for me like a two-hour Nissa Vex action movie. Because (laughs) last week Nissa was busy like getting back to, to... Krypton to or to Kandor to try to get her son back with her sort of sabotage codex and she's like murdering dudes and being manipulative and just like firing on all this effect cylinders and then it was just sort of like emotional overload this week so I'm riding on as we all know I've been in this effect stance since like minute one episode one of this show so I am riding high on life right now this is great except for the very end of this week's episode which sucked but other than that. Yes. But, I mean, listen, this is Nissa and Seg that we're talking about. So they're obviously going to, not. I mean, not to jump right to, like, the big thing at the end. But, I mean, why not? Um, they'll get baby Jor back. No, no problem. Like, we'll next week Nissa's going to be like, I don't give a shit about no skull ship and Brainiac. We're going to get my kid. I need people to stop kidnapping her baby. Could she just have, like, a regular night where he you know, like, goes to sleep and maybe wakes up at four in the morning because he wants a bottle or something. It's just, like, regular parenting. That's what I want for her. Yeah. I mean, I will say babies on TV shows are difficult. Because it's always like, Wait, what yeah. are you going to do with the baby? I saw the best tweet while we were tweeting tonight, and it was from, and I've got to find it because it was so great. It was about, I think it was from one of the producers, or it's from somebody on the show about why um, the baby kept smiling so much. Uh, It's basically, uh, of course I can't find the exact tweet, so I don't know who precisely said it, but apparently the baby kept smiling because someone was standing like off to the side, like singing Wu-Tang Clan, the edited clean version because he's a baby. Oh, Luke Luke Kelto, the executive producer, yeah. The director of the episode 
was singing Wu-Tang Clan to the baby. Which feels just like really hardcore and I'm into it. I love it. I mean, what could be better? That baby's so cute, by the way, too. Oh my gosh, he's little. Don't sometimes, you have sometimes TV babies are not cute. Um, but that's a really cute baby. Um, can we just talk about how emotional I was? I feel like we're going backwards through all this. So we should go back to the beginning of the episode. But I just have to talk about the fact that Seg took a second to be like, wait, now that I am deep brainiac, I want to hold my son like as my son. <sighs> Oh my god, I was sobbing. Puddle. Sobbing. Everything it. Nissa and Seg this week and last week, like both both weeks, like I Welcome to ti- the ship. Is that what Titan- I'm saying? Titanic. The, <laughs> they called it the ship of dreams. I was like, because I was in, in awesome. season one, I really loved Seg and Lyda. And I was like, I like Seg and Nissa too. But like more and more. I, what I think I like the most about it is unlike other TV shows that like set up a love triangle, it's never felt like a love triangle to me, you know, in like a traditional sense. Like I've never felt, and I, cause I really don't like love triangles. They annoy me. Um, cause I feel like they always make somebody, they always make somebody look like a douchebag. They always make somebody else look pathetic. Um, and then someone else is sort of the winner, but it's kind of like, eh, but you were like one of two choices. Like it all just feels kind of gross to me. This is hilarious given how many soap operas you watch. I know. <laughs> I know. I think that's why I don't like it. Because I used to love me a good love triangle. But, like, now I'm just like, oh, I'm so over that. I'm like, it just, the the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, uh, it kind of makes the person who's, like, waffling between these two people look like a douche. Because it's like, you can't des- you can't decide between two people as if you're some special, and the person's usually not, like, some kind of special prize. Uh, cough cough like Archie on Riverdale um like so you're always kind of like why are these particularly when it's like a man and two women I'm always like why are these two women like falling over themselves like you know doing all of this nonsense for this unworthy male it always just sort of bothers me um but anyway I was diverting way off the path of what we're talking about so what I like (laughs) what I've loved about Krypton so far is that like it just felt organic. Like we've come to this place organically. Like it just feels natural in the story. It doesn't feel like in any way, shape or form that like Seg is not being true to Lyda, that he doesn't love her, that Nissa doesn't respect the fact that he loves Lyda. Cause in the beginning of the episode, she's like, I know you loved her whenever you want to talk about it. Like I'm here for you. Like they formed a bond, like a friendship bond, but they, and I feel like they like love each other a lot, you know, and you can see that, in this episode, like he trusts her, she trusts him. Like there's a lot of, all of the foundations of like a good relationship have been built and they're not like a couple yet. And that's why I like them. Agreed. I mean, honestly, like I love my fiance a whole lot and I'm going to marry him, but I wouldn't let him perform brain surgery on me. No, nope. Although I did, I did love when Seg was making the joke about like, I mean, Hey, listen, if you screw it up, I'm going to be like brain dead anyway. So I won't be mad about it. That felt like such an Adam joke to me. So yeah. I just decided to read that as like him rubbing off on him. I love it. But I loved like all of their, like all of their touching and their closeness and their close talking and the forehead thing. And like, like I am just always a sucker for a good like forehead that where you stand there and your forehead's touch. I'm like uh, making a gesture with my hands and I'm <laughs> doing it. 
I love when you make hand gestures on the podcast and make air quotes. <laughs> Everyone knows. Ugh, I love them so much. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad other than the other than the baby getting kidnapped problem to at least see Nissa get a little bit more agency in this story. Like she's for the first part part of the season, she spent so much time kind of like us not really knowing sort of what side she was on or what she was trying to do. It feels, it feels much better for her as a character right now in the sense of, I feel like I have a better handle on what she's doing. She's she's getting to make more like active choices instead of react to things. She can apparently fly a jet. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) And perform brain surgery. I guess that's also cool. I loved to like just the um, like Seg sort of listing off all the stuff she's done this season. Like, I mean, if I thought you were going to go like, like stealing the codex and then, you know, going into, into Drew and like jumping out a window with the baby and like all of those things, like when she doubts herself and he's kind of like, no, like I believe in you, like why just believe in yourself. Like I, I love that whole dynamic that exists there and, you know the little speeches it's such a like superman thing to say and so i'm always kind of like whenever those things happen i'm like oh i know he's such good pep talks but also it is true though like nissa has been on a journey over the course of this show <laughs> from yeah. from when we first met her to right now it's pretty pretty wild but also props to cameron and, and wallace they're so great together oh my god so good so good they're they're so good together and they're just they're acting in general. Like I feel like Cameron just like knocks it out of the park every week. It gets better. He gets like better, you know, he grows more and like I, they're just both so good. There's so much nuance, I feel like, in the performance. It's just so excellent. I love it. I, I, also, I can't, yeah, I just uh, like can't say enough things. On. He got to put the S on finally and he was like so excited about it on Twitter. It was adorable. Oh my god. Cameron is Honestly, like one, I love him as a person. Like he's so adorable. He loves the character so much. He loves the whole like mythos so much. Like he just, I love that he went to Comic Con and he was like cosplaying all weekend. Like just, he is so, it's always so refreshing when you see like an actor who's portraying like a character and they're like super into it. Like it's not just a job for them. Like they're like, this is really cool. Like, yes, I get a paycheck, but this is also really cool. Like, they're one of us. Yeah, it makes you feel like you like a sort of kinship to them in a sense, which I enjoy. Also, I was really excited to see the fortress again. I felt like I kind of missed it. Like when they pulled in, I was like, oh, the fortress. I miss it. I know AI space granddad. Oh, love AI space granddad. Although sad face brainiac got rid of him, I think. I mean, do we think he again, I'm holding on to the like. I don't know that I believe anyone is is really gone. I mean, I I still don't know that I 100% believe that Lida is gone, gone, even though it's been like two episodes with with no movement on that front, which is is longer than I thought we would go. So maybe I'm wrong. I know. I have a thought. I have a theory about that, actually, which I'll discuss later when we talk about something else. Um, I'm intrigued to see if my theory is correct. But um, I guess, was there anything from last week's episode that we should sort of mention? Um, last week we did get some good, uh, what did we decide that 
that the Jaina and Dev ship Devna, we decided what we're going to call them because they oh, did have, a, yeah. they did have another great moment in the wake of, of Lyda's death where they were like hugging and comforting each other. And Dev's all like, Oh, I'm going to like, I'm always going to be with you or something like that. It was just like, I had a lot of emotions about that. That's a smaller ship that's sailing. Yes. Oh my God. I actually, I did, I did realize that I didn't realize till the end of the episode, but I was like, Oh, they weren't in this episode. Sad. Um, yeah. See, for me, it kind of felt like they were, cause I just watched like a big old well, yes. <laughs> but yeah, they were not in this episode at all. But yeah, they, oh my God, when they were like laying down in the bed together, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> my emotions. My emotions, you guys. I loved all of those scenes. Like I really did love, I loved Nissa and like being reunited with them and all of the whole, like getting the baby back and the jumping out of the window stuff. And I love, I just loved like. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm so glad that you said that. The- <laughs> The leap of faith thing, I was screaming. Screaming. And I love that our girl Nissa was is smart enough to outsmart Drew Zod. I know. Because you know, he thinks he's like the master manipulator. And I loved that she was able to like outsmart him. It was fantastic. I actually really love that he respected her for it. Yeah. That he was like, Wow, I keep underestimating you. And which, duh, but like, I really liked that that was his, that that was his reaction to her. Cause I honestly do think his offer to work with him was legit. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that we sort of, cause we, we, we tend to, particularly if you're like someone who is a movie fan and only sees like, you know, this, this sort of short term version of Zod in the movies, like his whole like thought process is not wholly different it's just his means you know and like he's definitely someone who respects a talent or or something like that and is like hey listen uh you know i would love to have you on my team like what do you say like he legitimately means that stuff if you then turn around and are like no screw you he's like all right well i'm gonna have to throw you out a window now but like he he does mean that stuff you know like he he recognizes someone who is you know able to fit a need for him and and he means it the same way he wants he wants Seg on his side, but he's just not, you know? I also feel like, I don't know if I was supposed to read it this way, but it felt very deliberate to me because so much of this season has been about Nissa trying to figure out, like, where she fits. And I think that minute when she jumps off the balcony is very, like, it's very much like a, a clear decision line because I feel like the Nissa we met in season one who was very much more like a political animal would have maybe gone for that deal and tried to see like what she could get out of it or what it could, you know, what it could do for her, how she could get closer to, to power or, or whatever that way. And I think by like literally taking a leap of faith off of, off of balcony and trusting that sex jet's going to be there to catch her. Like, I think that's a very deliberate like break between her old life and her new one, which again, like, she chooses to go with the L name and ditch. She's she's going to be the last Vex. Right. That, I think that all like works in a cool narrative way. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that was sort of like the defining moment for her as a character that she's no longer on. She's no longer sort of teetering. She's clearly on this side. 
and her this week saying I'm going to be the last, like all of that stuff, like you just said, is is her clearly definitively making a choice to be on the good side, essentially. Or to be an L, depending on how you want to read it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just an L. Um, what else? What else? I feel like we should talk about something besides besides my love for Nissa now. Even though... Right. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Oh, we can talk about Kem quickly. So he has been like, I was a little sort of like, I don't really understand like what's going on with him. Like I felt like he didn't necessarily fit in this season the same way he did last season. Um, But I felt like this episode, you I really sort of got a a hold on like what they were, they're trying to do with him, which is obviously like they have with every character on the show. They've given him some type of growth. Like even Adam says to him, Hey, when I first met you, you were a bartender of like a crappy bar. And now you're like a commander of forces. Because obviously when all is said and done, they're going to have to set up some kind of new leadership on Krypton. And and so we see them those pieces sort of falling into place. We see that certain people are coming to positions of power, taking a leadership role, the, the right kind of people. You know, Kem is someone who fits in with the values of, you know, the L family and what we we as people who have watched, you know, Superman stuff know Krypton to be. Um, you know, just having that, like, you know, that need to help other people, like having him showing him say like, oh, these people were starving. Like I fed them and now they're going to be on our side because I just actually cared about them as people, not as, you know, soldiers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I liked that, that moment of growth for him. I liked him and Adam together. I think they have like a fun, a fun relationship. I loved (laughs) Like Kem, like just this, like the back and forth with them. Like when he's like, "Oh yeah, this guy, he like was had diarrhea and like pooped out his entire skeleton." And Adam's just like, "Oh my, what?" Like so gross. <laughs> also, line of the episode: "Can I get an ETA on your point? <laughs> on the point you're trying to make?" I was like, "Classic. I'm taking this. I'm stealing it. It's mine." I have to say to your point about Kem Kem's growth, this was I think the first episode, certainly the first episode this season, where I felt like his and Adam's relationship was sort of genuine on its own terms for both of them, and that like Kem wasn't there because because um Seg couldn't be. You know what I mean? Yes. Like they had to put someone they had to they, they have to pair Adam off with someone. So like that for a little bit it felt like, well, Kim is here, so now they're gonna be friends. But this this week it felt really like that worked instead of instead of like, well, we wish that Seg could be in two places. Right. I liked, yeah, I agree. And I think that that's sort of what they were building to, to them having a genuine relationship as well. Which I liked. And I loved the um the sea biscuit thing. My gosh, that was <laughs> when he was like, "What did he call it? Squeeze bracket brisket or something?" <laughs> it's like, oh god, it's. I sometimes forget that like we're not on Earth and they don't get all those references until Adam makes one, and then he's like, "Never mind." Um, and they're always just so funny. Oh, I know what we forgot last week. Didn't Space Grandpa blow up an elevator of people? Yes, he did. Because yeah, he and Jax had a long argument about like doing the hard thing and it kind of I remember thinking this at the time and then I got 
overwhelmed by feels about other things, but it really tied into like that discussion we were having last time about how, how the L family is such a symbol of hope for everyone. And part of that is because Jax is right. They don't have to make the hard, messy choices, you know, like killing people for the greater good or whatever. Like she specifically says that she's been trying to shield him from having to do that kind of thing. And then he blows an elevator full of people. I actually don't know if it was full of people. I'm sure there were some people in it, but I don't know if it was teaming or anything. Not that I, I'm totally trying to like justify, like it's fine that Space Grandpa did this, but I just love him. Yeah. I was a little like, oh, um, okay. That's a thing that just happened. Yeah. And do you think we've seen the last of Jax? Well, I was first wondering, where did she go? Like, if they blew up the elevator, that's, like, the way back down to Krypton, right? So, right. She, like, living in the wilderness on Wegthor? Oh, right. She's just so running had, around the moon? I just had, I had questions about that, and I doubt it, because I just don't think that... I don't think that there won't be some form of not like revenge but at least like i think she will have to either face like zod or clone lyda or something i think there's still payoff to be had there because she actually hasn't come face to face with any member of like lyda's immediate family or inner circle so i still think there's stuff there they could do so it's a long way to say no i don't think we've seen the last of her Oh, good, because I really love Hannah wanting him, and I was kind of like, oh, no. And it was not to go away. Slow-mo walk exit, too. <laughs> she didn't get, like, her, like, Sarah Connor moment as she walks off into, like, the sunset. Yeah, I hope we see her again and her laser eye. I know. I feel like we only got her to see her shoot the laser eye the one time, so that is is not enough for me. No. Not at all. One thing I do want to talk about, because I was really surprised that they did this and that it worked so well, is the Doomsday subplot this week. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's the big thing that we have to get to. Yeah. And I feel like I've spent so many episodes being like, where is Doomsday? What is the point of this? This is so stupid. Why do we even have this? And this episode suddenly I'm like, oh, I feel very sorry for Doomsday now. Is he still a person in there? So... First of all, I was like, oh, my God, this is tragic and awful and sad. And I feel bad for Doomsday and he should eat all of you. And he really just wants, like, to be a person. Like, I, oh, my God. I, like, when they were showing that, those the beginning and, like, he dies and she says resurrection protocol. And then they get to the 105th trial and the Zod guy was like, listen, I think this is enough. I was like, it took you to 105 to decide this was maybe a bad idea? <laughs> I thought it was so interesting that they were kind of flipped from how we normally see them. Yes. Was the L that was really like into the lighting people on fire and gassing them to death and all manner of other horrible things. And it was the Zod who was like, whoa, hold up. It's been 105 times, which hot. <laughs> Maybe we should stop. Really, yeah. A really interesting sort of 
switch that the show didn't really address too directly too directly but i feel like that has to come back up again somehow. well what i thought was interesting was it was sort of interspliced with zod standing there in front of doomsday like trying to get the memories and find out what happened to him and you got to see a lot of what zod is saying is very much in line with what the l lady is saying and so i was like oh who would have ever thought that like his sort of crazy conqueror do whatever you can thing for Krypton comes from his L blood. <laughs> Cause I definitely thought it came from his Zod. You know, you, of course you just assume it comes from his Zod blood, but it's like, wow, obviously it must come from the other side or from both. But like, I, um, yeah, I was like, wow, this chick is really like, I mean, she's really like balls to the wall here with this. Like, what the hell? Like, you, you, not only are you like subjecting this man to all of these trials and you've turned him into this doomsday creature, but you've killed him and brought him back to life so many, like multiple, multiple times in order to continue doing this. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's just insane. Like, just insane. And I, I was sitting there like, I feel really bad for Doomsday. Like, this is horrible. And his poor wife. And, like, she comes in and she has no idea what's going on. And she just wants her husband back. And then when she comes in and she's like, the war is over. But they're still doing the trials. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is really terrible. Oh, my gosh. When he puts his little rock finger up on the window. Oh, I was like, he still remembers her. I saw, I saw someone on Twitter say he looks like a rock fighter. A never-ending story, and I can't unsee it. Now. <laughs> we cannot unsee. So shout out whoever said that. So I have two takeaways from this whole entire story. First of all, it was awesome, and like you said, I thought it was really cool how they did it. Also, a lot of times when they do stuff like this on other TV shows, they decide to make it like a solo episode, and like that's all that happens. And you're like, oh, let's just stop the rest of the story to tell this yeah. weird like you know, bottle episode. Um, so I really appreciate that they did not do that because I don't like those things. Um, but my two like sort of theories or takeaways from the whole story, one of them was the minute she referred to a resurrection protocol, I was like, I thought of Lyda. And oh. I'm like, oh. So there's some kind of tech that exists within the, you know, Krypton paperwork, whatever they call it, archives that has a resurrection protocol. And so I was like, interesting. They could possibly use that to bring Lyda back. But what happens if Zod does that? And she's sort of like a mon- like monster Lyda. Like she comes back wrong and like the Buffy. Thing. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting twist. Well, that would be awesome, actually. Yeah. I was like, that would be kind of cool. The other thing I thought of was, so when the, when in the very beginning of it, when Dax is standing there saying goodbye to the wife before they start doing the protocols, she says to him, like, what, um, you know, what am I going to tell our daughter? And I was like, oh, Doomsday has a child. Oh my gosh. I didn't even catch that. You're right. Um, and so my immediate thought was that the woman whose name I'm forgetting right now, uh, but the people who were guarding Doomsday in the tunnels are like his direct descendants that she's like somehow his great, 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 great granddaughter or something. Oh my gosh. That would be wild. I would be very into that. Cause it 
would explain why they're all down there. And I could right. see how it would shift to being like, this is our ancestor to like, this is our ancestor capital A where it starts to shift into like, this is our God kind of territory. Right. And I thought, because I was like, when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, like, because I've obviously watched the episode twice as I watched it earlier and then I watched it while I was live tweeting. So obviously I was able to like rethink about these things. Um, I was like, I feel like there's a very distinct reason that they mention him having a daughter because it's not necessary for that story. Like he could just have a wife and it still makes it just as sad. Yeah, like we never see the daughter. You never, right. You never see the daughter. So it's not like it matters that he has a kid. You know, just having the wife there being like, you know, saying goodbye to her husband, I feel like makes it sad enough. But the addition of the mention that there's a child makes me feel like, oh, there has to be some reason for this. Like, because nothing ever happens on this show that doesn't have a purpose. Like, nothing has ever happened so far that you're like, oh, well, they never went back to that or they never revisited that. Um, so I feel like there's a very distinct reason that, you know, they mentioned the the child. Agreed. I think there's also, I mean, I think we, I think we are all assuming that Zod wants to, to get into Doomsday's head to, to weaponize him. But I wonder if it's not somehow something more than that. Cause I feel like their, their stories aren't entirely that, you know, far apart from each other. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It well, felt I- like, it felt more personal to me than just being like well i gotta drill through the plaque in your brain or whatever it was to taste over your body well even like he sends the lady out of the out of the room for the conversation with him like so it definitely seems that there's something way like underneath the surface of all of that Mm mm-hmm and what i thought was interesting is in the backstory in this backstory of doomsday that they're giving us he he stops sort of being just like this creature you know like he he's become a person to us now but not just a person he's sort of a contemporary you know like to to zod to seg to superman like he's a hero who just happened to be be turned into this creature it's not like he was born that way or you know I was not expecting to have feelings about Doomsday. I know. What the hell, show? <laughs> you right? can't be making me feel bad for Doomsday. <laughs> Doomsday kills Superman. But maybe now we know why. <laughs> no. And L uh, turned him into Doomsday. <laughs> Oh, everything is so messy. Just, this season has been so good, though. I just It really every has. Every episode just feels like it keeps getting better, and I love it. One of the things that I, I actually mentioned this on Twitter, and some of the creators and actors liked it and retweeted it from the podcast account, was that you can tell every single episode is written with such love and care and respect for the Superman mythology. Oh, 100%. And it's it's so nice. And like uh, Colin Salmon, who plays Zod, actually retweeted it and commented like, yes, absolutely. Like, that's one of the things we strive to sort of like always be cognizant of, you know, our audience that is aware of the material as well as as newcomers to the material. But it's just like they do so much that's 
You could, I feel like you can always tell when it's a fan who creates something because so much care is put into it. Mm-hmm. Like just the little things, the little Easter eggs that, you know, Seg having the, the shirt on and the, the, the Williams score when they said Jorel's name, just all the little things that they do on the show that really like make me feel like they really, really take their time to make sure that they're really honoring and respecting like the mythos. And even though it's not anything that is really a part of the comics because it's its own story, it still sort of feels like it is. And I, I, that's one of the things that I think I really love the most about the show. I agree. They just, it's nice that they're fans too. Cause I think, like you said, you can always tell. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes you can always tell them we get things like 50 shades of gray, but you know, I, <laughs> I mean, I think that had many more problems than just that, but okay. Right. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I loved this episode. I think this episode was like arguably, I think it's definitely my favorite of the season. I think it might be my favorite. But I, I was like, it might be my favorite episode overall, like of the entire series. I think, I think it might be mine too. I feel like I've made that proclamation before, but I'm 100% sure that I And have. I'm sure another episode will come along and I'll make that proclamation again. But, uh, but that's just, that's just a testament to the show and how well done it, it is. You know, the fact that they continue to make, to, to level up and make episodes that are just better than what, than what has come before. Um, which seems impossible because everything is just so good. Like we talked about this, I think on the first episode, I was like a little nervous because, you know, uh, when you have, a show and and the first season is basically flawless. You come into a second season and and you know nine out of ten times it's not as good. And I I feel like this show just is on the same level, if not better, than the first season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I've certainly yelled at the television more. I think <laughs> that is any metric to be used. But I do what it, I I love that this episode could have like solely been the Doomsday stuff or solely been the Saganist stuff and it would have still been fine. But like both of those things together, like yeah, just was like Chef's kiss emoji. Yeah, and I like oh the other thing that really I really enjoyed too was um, the character of Brainiac. I feel like is so well done on this show. Like it actually makes me whenever I see even just pictures of the brainiac that exists on supergirl it gives me like i like start twitching um but (laughs) he is just such an interesting character like everything about him is so interesting blake ritson's performance is always just so like i can't there's not enough adjectives um what I loved is, you know, we've had this time with him where he's been like in Seg's brain. And I thought that was like so great, such good material. What I really liked this week in this week's episode, you know, before he steals the baby was basically he's gotten to this point where he has like a genuine respect for Seg. And he's like, I want you to come with me. Like, I've realized that you and your family are the thing that is the best of Krypton. And then of and then of course he steals the baby which is whatever but like but like i like that he because brainiac i think we tend to forget you know he's a 
you know, he's a 12th level intellect. Like he, he thinks about things in, in a different way. And like, he's able to say like, no, like I, I realize that like, I don't need to take the entire city and I have this respect for you as a person, you know, and, and your own, you know, intelligence and your morals and your sort of agenda. And I would like you to be one of my, you know, one of the things that I've, that I cultivate on my ship. He, he, like Zod, has this thought process that, while it sounds kind of crazy, isn't completely crazy. He says, he's like, I go around the world, the universe, and I collect unique cultures to preserve them because they inevitably are going to kill themselves. And you kind of are like, I mean, I get it. <laughs> you know? I kind of felt like he, he almost wanted a friend. Yeah, like, I think he liked having Seg with him and, like, wanted him to go with him. Yeah, I kind of do, too. Although, I, again, have many questions. So, because he bottles all these cities that he collects, so everybody in them is just kind of frozen. I don't know that I feel he's, like, equipped for baby care? Or is he just going to freeze your... I don't know. I've, I've Again, I have questions. Right. I mean, there's always, I just, I'm again, concerned about how, how, how Jor's doing. General Saad is still living and breathing and I'm like, I don't understand. So, you know, there's always many questions. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that Brainiac knows how to change a diaper. Does he have formula? Does he have formula? I mean, can he create breast milk? I just don't, I don't know how this is going to roll, roll over for him, but Maybe you can steal it out of one of the like frozen places. I'm not sure. I always feel like I have questions that that like the writers are definitely like, oh my god, really? Come on now. Wait, please stop. Please stop. You're just making it sound terrible. But I'm like, <laughs> I definitely was like, oh, you're just taking a baby. Um, okay. I mean, I guess he's a 12th level intellect, so he'll figure it out, right? I mean, you'd hope so. Maybe he'll pluck like the best mother ever out of the bottle, like one of the bottles in the you ship. Like, so, like, take your job. Like here, I have a job for you. Take care of this child. <laughs> I wonder if we're gonna get to. So we only have three episodes left, right? Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, yeah. that was episode seven. Oh, we're almost at the end. I'm so sad. Something goes too quickly. So something, oh, you know, something on the internet that happened excitingly last week, Cam Welsh confirmed that Adam will get his jetpack this season. What? So I'm like, oh my God, we have three episodes. Where's the jetpack? Let's go. I'm excited about it. Maybe he will go rescue Jor-El with the jetpack. Maybe. Maybe that's how we get Jor-El. Adam goes in the jetpack. Although now I'm like... Who's going to give him the jetpack? AI Space Granddad is at least, like, you know, on timeout. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know where Adam's jetpack... Oh, would Adam's jetpack comes from Ron, Ran, whatever it's called. So, um, I wonder if he'll be making another trip to the, the spaceship to talk to... You know, the Rainian people whose names, it's late, guys. Their names are escaping me at the moment. Lana and Alana. Alana? Alana? Yes. Alana? I think Al I Alana. Alana. And her dad, whose name I've also forgotten. Um, 
it's really late. We'll it's record really them. late. We're very tired. I'm sorry. We didn't want to record in the car again. So <laughs> we thought, hey, maybe we should actually do an episode this week. We right. Didn't. That too. And I couldn't wait to talk to Lacey about Baby Jorel. Because we called it. I was so excited. I was like, yes, yes, I knew it. I told you all. <laughs> I knew it was Baby Jor. I mean, listen, it had to be, right? I mean, who else could it have been? Unless the baby died, which would be terrible. I know. That was part of it. I was like, well, now we at least have some confirmation that the baby's going to be safe. Timeline. Kind of. I mean, you know, yes. currently. Back to the weird timey-wimey. Currently kidnapped by Brainiac, but it's fine. They're going to get him back. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Everything is fine. With, with the dog with the fire. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> dog like sipping tea with the fire blazing all around him. That that gif. Oh, I love that gif. I use Every, it. Everything is fine. I think... I we think we have to call it just because we're tired. I yeah. Something we've forgotten. Please tweet at us and we'll answer you. And we, I did see all of your emails and your tweets. And I promise as soon as we get our lives together, we will do a mailbag episode <laughs> and read all of your emails. Because at this point, we pretty much need to devote an entire episode to them because you guys yes. deserve we've been terrible there was one email that had a question for me that i will answer and it was basically um is it weird for me to do a krypton podcast on the dc tv podcast network and also do a batwoman podcast on the uh thought bubble audio network and the answer is no because i <laughs> i am on many po- many many podcasts i have my own podcast which is hashtag tv geek which is also having some regrets recording uh scheduling issues um but i have my own podcast hashtag tv geek i'm also on a soap podcast for tv source i do a soap countdown podcast so nah it's cool i just you know it's totally fine both networks are cool with me being uh, you know i freelance i'm hot commodity everybody wants me so Uh, but yeah, I saw that question and I was like, oh, I guess I should answer this question. Also, Batwoman hasn't come out yet. So we've only really recorded two episodes and they'll never overlap. So because Krypton is on in the summertime and Batwoman will be on regular TV time. So I did see the Batwoman pilot at Comic-Con randomly. It's so good. Good. I liked it. I loved it. I got it. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so excited for that show. It's going to be great. I don't know if it's... Is it 24 episodes? Or 22 episodes? I kind of hope not. You know how the CW does. <sighs> but it'll get into two parts because of the crossover. Right, that's true. They are doing that with The Flash this year, which is exciting. And I have to say, um, I will give some props to Arrow because that season eight is shaping up to look pretty amazing. And I have hated on Arrow before. I used to love Arrow. I stopped watching Arrow because it's terrible. Um, but I will be there for the for the final. It's what? I said I disagree. I think the past two seasons have been the best the show has been in quite a while. I haven't watched the past two seasons. So when I stopped watching it, it was horrendous. Um, but yes, many people have told me the past two seasons have been good. I just was like, uh, I don't have time. 
but I will most definitely be there for the end. I think that we definitely, there's something to be said for all of its faults. I mean, the entire hour verse. So for all of its faults, as, as there are many, um, you know, nothing is perfect. Uh, we, we definitely owe a huge debt of gratitude to, to Greg Berlanti for creating Arrow and the entire Arrowverse because we wouldn't have half of the content on TV currently that we get to have, including Krypton, um, without it. You know, he he did something and brought to life something that, you know, no, no one else had been super successful at up until that point. And, uh, you know, you have to sort of give give that that credit. So he I'm did excited. Prove that, a, that a serialized superhero show can work on regular TV. Yeah. God bless them. Eight seasons. Go forth and. I mean, eight, eight seasons is a is a great accomplishment. I mean, obviously, it's no supernatural, but what is? Um, <laughs> we all can't be on the air for fifteen years. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially shows like this. I mean, look at even something like Gotham. I mean, Gotham barely squeaked out five seasons. You know, it was a, it was a fight every year to get the next season, um, and you know that was a that was based around you know, the most popular comic book character, Batman. So it's, it's definitely like a testament to, to what he's done and how he's created this interconnected universe. And, you know, we, we definitely, like I said, they, those shows maybe are not the best in ter in terms of comparing them to what we have now. Um, I definitely think that like the second phase of superhero shows has been in terms of quality so much better than any, all of that stuff. But I think that's just because like with anything, the first, you know, the first batch is is what it is and it's great for what it is, but you just sort of improve upon it as it goes. And so I think we've, because of all of that, we've been able to get better and better content and, and you know, we're able to sit here and talk about a show like Krypton. You know, those kind of shows, this kind of show wouldn't maybe have even been looked at by sci-fi if, you know, all those shows weren't so successful on the CW. Yeah, 100%. So we definitely have to, you know, owe some gratitude. And we have a whole bunch. We have a podcast on our net on our DVC TV podcast network for every one of those shows. So if you guys watch them, you should listen to them. Our fearless leader, Andy, hosts the Flash podcast. Good job. Good job sliding that plug right in there. Yep. See? <laughs> on note. that note, <laughs> you can visit KryptonPodcast.com for all the latest news, photos, trailers, descriptions, and more about Krypton, along with the latest episode of the podcast. You can follow the podcast on social media at Krypton Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you have questions, thoughts about Krypton, you can email us. Email us at kryptonpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on iTunes, if you could leave us a five-star review and a nice little comment, that would be great. If you have something less than a five-star review, don't leave it. Just keep going. And <laughs> you can follow the entire DC TV Podcast Network, um, including podcasts for all those shows that I was just talking about, uh, at dctvpodcast.com. And that will be all for now. Bye. Bye. We're not giving up. You said anything about giving up? If Brainiac ever returns, we'll be ready because we will have Doomsday. Krypton has no future if you're the one leading it. Everything that you've done is proof of that. What is that thing? It's called a Black Mercy.